Impact Hustlers, the podcast on entrepreneurs and change makers that are creating solutions to the world's biggest problems. Impact Hustlers is brought to you by Fast Forward 2030 and Real Changers. Visit fastforward2030.com to learn how to include the global goals into your business model and realchangers.com to find talent and careers with impact. And this is your host, Michael Shafra. This is Impact Hustlers, the podcast on the entrepreneurs that solve the world's biggest social and environmental problems. And I'm your host, Michael Schaffrat. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. If you like this episode, make sure to subscribe, leave a review and share the episode, most importantly, with a friend. To keep updated on new episodes, visit impacthustlers.com and sign up for our email alerts. And follow us on Twitter as well at Impact Hustlers. Enjoy today's episode and let's go. In today's episode, I speak to Alex Stephanie, founder and CEO of Beam. Alex was previously the CEO of Just Park, a sharing economy startup funded by the likes of Local Globe and Index Ventures. In 2017, he embarked on the journey of starting Beam, a platform that uses crowdfunding to fund education for homeless people, developing their practical skills and connecting them to job opportunities. Beam has since fundraised close to half a million pounds for those homeless people and funded education for close to 100 formerly homeless. It's great to have you on the show. Great to be here. Thanks. On your website, you're saying there's about 320,000 homeless people in the UK alone. It's a big number. It is a huge number. And I think the big misconception that we're working to dispel is that all of those people are people that you see day in, day out on the streets. The reality is that for every one person you see who is homeless on the streets, more than 30 people live in hostels and other types of emergency or temporary accommodation. So it's a much larger group that's much more helpable and is also much more expensive for taxpayers that Beam is really set up to help. All right. So these people are not always that visible to people. They're not the people that sit in front of the shopping street or something like that, but sometimes they can actually be quite unknown to people unless you really know where they're actually living. Yeah, that's right. So they're, they're not as visible, but many of them have been on and off the streets. And even if they are in this type of temporary accommodation, it's, it's often a very dismal place to be living. And there's a very large number of children among that group as well. So there's about 130,000 homeless children in the UK. What I realized, there seems to be also a sizable number of charities and even some government initiatives to fight homelessness. But from my perspective, it doesn't really seem like the problem is getting solved, at least not at scale. Uh, have the charities and the government actually failed and does it need some different solutions? What's your opinion on that? I think we can offer something new, which is obviously why we're doing this. There are about a thousand homelessness organizations in the UK. So you know, I don't think anyone should be starting another one unless they're doing something that is not being done by one of those organizations. I don't think they're failing and I don't like to kind of point fingers. I think that we can make big progress, though, by working together. And Beam has a really collaborative approach. So the people that are on the Beam platform who are crowdfunding training to become an accountant or a bricklayer or anything in between, they're referred by homeless charities and local authorities. So local authorities, charities have a massive part to play in our model. They're, of course, funded by the public. So the public has a massive part to play in our model. 
they do their training at training providers so training providers have a huge part to play and then of course they go work at companies so the private and the public sector are also key to this model's success so our personal view is that everyone has a part to play in solving homelessness and beam is really building a scalable ecosystem that will allow people to play their different parts mm. What do you think an existing model where basically either charities or government are basically tasked with solving this problem, what's the main thing that's lacking? I mean, you just said there's about 1,000 charities in the space. And mathematically, if there's 320,000 people, if everybody would get 300 people off the streets, we would solve this problem. Well, I think the biggest thing that we can bring is technology and data. And we're an unusual organization because we're sort of combining those sort of tech startup type functional skills with some of the casework skills that you would have more traditionally in the sector. Although, again, there's a lot of technology that we're using on that operational side. So each person on the Beam platform, they have a caseworker and that caseworker is transparently shown on their profile. Also on their profile, you can see the costs required to get them into stable work, breaking down to the nearest pound. But then if you go to our data page, which is beam.org forward slash transparency, you can see something pretty unheard of, I think, in the whole charity sector, which is a dashboard which has about, I haven't actually encountered them all, but like 60, 70 live data points coming straight out of our database on all kinds of different things around donations and campaigns and also social impact as well. So you can see in real time how many people are training, how many people are in work, how many people have sustained work. And you know, I think it's really exciting to combine technology and data with some of these sort of areas that have traditionally not had too much kind of investment in terms of technology. Mm -hmm. So let's talk a bit more in detail about your model and how it actually works and how you help people. So you actually have a quite collaborative approach with some of the charities in the UK, yep. which nominate homeless people that they come across in their field work to be on your platform. Is that right? That's right. So we work with some awesome charities, including ones you would have heard of, like Shelter and Centerpoint and St. Mungo's, and they refer people to the platform. They then sit down with a caseworker who has a conversation with the individual around what they want to do with their life. And they build an employment plan. It could be to become a teaching assistant or a plumber or all kinds of different useful things. That plan has costs associated with it. So they go onto the crowdfunding platform and they raise money for those costs. And then their caseworker supports them through the training and supports them to find a new and stable job and continues to support them for six months once they're in work. And this is all about giving people a long-term solution to their problems. So this is not a sticking plaster solution. This is about putting people in the position where they can support themselves and they can support their families. And also they can support other people coming through the Beam platform. So when people are in paid, stable work, they often choose to donate to new people coming through the platform, just like anyone, any member of the public can. And they effectively become the patron of a whole new generation of people who are coming through this model. And for me, that's actually the personal high when I see donations coming through from people. Maybe it's only a few pounds a month. I think our highest one for someone well-paid in the construction industry is 20 pounds a month. And you know what an amazing thing it is that those people are in the place that they are in and are empowered to help so many other people to follow in their footsteps. Amazing. So if I want to contribute, basically there's a mix of you have crowdfunding campaigns for specific people where I can basically contribute to their training or I can become a 
member, or I don't know if you call it a member, I think you call the homeless people your members, but I can basically contribute more generally to yeah. me. You distribute my money to these different people. So there's a lot of different ways people can get involved, and I would encourage anyone listening to this just to go to the website, beam.org, and even just donate a quid or something really small so you can kind of get to know how the model works and you can see the impact that you're having. When you donate, you get updates via email on the people that you're supporting. You also get KPIs showing the people that you've supported and how many of them are training, how many of them are in work. If people have withdrawn from the program, we're also transparent about that. But to come back to the question, there's a few different ways people can donate. You can donate to a specific individual. You can make a donation that's divided between everyone on the platform. Or you can set up a monthly donation, and that can be anything from a quid a month. And each month you get an email, and you say, this month you're going to be supporting this person. You can see their story. You can see their campaign costs. And it's a really kind of nice, exciting email to get each month where you don't know who you're going to be supporting, but you can effectively meet them via email. You can then see the updates. You can also comment. You can like on those updates. So it's kind of a social network as well that we're building. And from the perspective of the people we help, what is so powerful actually is not only the money, but it's these positive comments of affirmation, of encouragement that come through on the platform. And so I'll definitely encourage people as well to, you know, just to leave a short message. It will take you, you know, five or 10 seconds, but it means the absolute world to the people that we work with. Amazing. Where does this inspiration come from for this radical transparency? Has there been any organization or approach or your previous experience inspired you to build this into your product? Or where does it come from, your decision to say, okay, we well, really want to make transparent to everybody and communicate constantly where your money actually goes? I just think that that's the way that the world is moving. I think there is an expectation, particularly among our younger donors, that If they are making a donation, they really understand what is happening to that donation. And I think there's a lot more that we can probably do to give people even more awareness of their transparency. So the moment we have a breakdown of the costs of items on each campaign, we break it down to the nearest pound. Occasionally, those things will change in value. Maybe we're buying a textbook that we say will cost £30 and we look and on Amazon it's $26.99. Well, in my opinion, we should be letting that person know that actually it costs £26.99 and this is the variance and this is what's going to happen to that £3.01 that we haven't spent on that textbook. So, you know, I just think it's increasingly an expectation and we want to absolutely deliver on the expectations and create kind of an amazing experience for donors. Then the other thing that's really unusual about the donation experience is it's incredibly efficient. So you can actually set how much in terms of percentage is going to overheads. The default is just 10%, but if you like, you can move that down to 0%. And what that means is 100% of your donation is being spent on the budget items for the homeless people that we're supporting into work. Mm -hmm. let's focus a bit on that and your business model you have the 10% actually built as a suggested contribution to actually maintaining what you're doing as Beam and you basically have a bit of a hybrid structure you have both a non-profit foundation the Beam Foundation and then you have the for-profit Beam platform and basically anybody that donates through your platform if they then choose to pay this 10% fee would then contribute to both these organizations how does it work and why did you choose this hybrid setup? 
I think it comes back partly to what you mentioned before around transparency. So it's really useful to have two different entities and two different pots of money effectively. So if someone comes to the website and they say, I'm going to give £10 and 90% of that, £9 or 100% of that is going to go on charitable things, then it can all go to the bank account of a registered charity, which, as you mentioned, is called the Beam Foundation. And it's super, super clear that they're making a completely charitable donation. The reason why we thought that we would have this additional entity is also that it allows us to get some additional benefits that companies have. So companies have more flexibility to raise capital, which is really important for us because it's really expensive, as you know, you know to build software, to scale software, the sorts of you know, technology organizations that have improved the lives of hundreds of millions of people have taken you know, huge sums of money. And companies are often better placed to access that capital than charities are. So really, it's about kind of having the best of the charities model, but also having the best of the company's model. And we call ourselves a social enterprise or a social impact business because we see ourselves as being an enterprise that is first and foremost about social impact. And the metrics that we think about and talk about and constantly work on are first and foremost social metrics. And those metrics are the number of people who are finishing their training, the number of people who are starting work, and crucially, the number of people who are sustaining those work outcomes. Amazing. You have actually already raised some funding for Beam. And let's talk about that. And how do you actually convince or how do you have a vision of this actually being a profitable business or how do you convince investors to be like okay this is a, not just a nice thing in terms of the impact you can have but this could actually be a good and scalable business so we've raised different types of finance so some of the finance that we've raised has been debt sort of philanthropic debt and some of the finance has been grant funding And some of the finances come from high net worth individuals, like successful co-founders of businesses like Booking.com, World Remit, Funding Circle, Photobox. And some of it has come from foundations like Nesta or Social Tech Trust or Unlimited. And people have different motives. So some people are just really interested in funding us because they think that we're very innovative. They think that we are executing really well. And they see it as kind of coming out of their philanthropic pot. Other people, including those who are making the loans, are obviously interested in how we're going to pay those loans back. And the way we think we're going to do that is primarily through providing the service to government. So at the moment, the costs of homelessness and unemployment are absolutely huge. A lot of the people that we work with are receiving one benefit that is really for people who actually aren't able to work. And that benefit alone is... I think about a 13 billion pound cost in the UK. So what we really want to do is we want to prove that this really, really saves taxpayers money, as it does, and get paid by government to scale up the service, saving money for taxpayers, creating more social mobility, upskilling the economy and filling jobs for employers in the UK. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about maybe one or two success stories from your members. You've helped quite a lot of them already. Can you share with us maybe an example of a story of somebody that's went through your process and got funding through your platform and actually changed their life? Sure. I think one of my favorite stories is about an individual who I met very, very early on. It was, I think, the first homeless hostel I'd ever been to. And as is sometimes the case, the person wasn't ready for training and work and they were still 
taking drugs on a daily basis and the sort of conversation that we have in that situation where we say look we'd really love to work with you it's great you've got all of these ambitions to do these things but first you need to do certain things and you need to help yourself in relation to your your drug use and that was a conversation we had and we didn't hear anything more for about six months we told the individual that we had a 12-week minimum abstinence rule and off they went with some kind of next steps and we thought that would be it and then they got back in touch and they had actioned these next steps this is after sort of being in a real rut for many 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 years they came onto the platform we raised them the funds they completed the training got qualified and now they've got a well-paid stable role in the construction sector and i think you know that is a story i love because for me i think we're too quick as a society to say this group of people they're lazy, you know, they don't want to contribute. And this group of people, you know, they're the people that pay the way for everyone else. I don't think people fall into these neat categories. I think it's actually the job of all of us to persuade more people who are demoralized and lack hope that they can contribute, that they should have hope and that they can do much better things with their lives. And the fact that they lack hope is much more a function of the society they live in than anything inherent in them. Mm-hmm. Let's move a bit towards some of the challenges of building such a company, right? We talked a bit about your business model, but then what some of the biggest challenges in your journey so far and what can you recommend to founders listening to this so trying to solve social problems that they need to pay attention to? I think the biggest challenge with any kind of social enterprise is likely to be around finance. So in my experience of running a sort of normal in inverted commerce technology company, if the business is, is growing and doing well, then it's in this market, at least it's pretty easy to raise venture capital and you know, good companies can raise money. I would say it's very much a different landscape in sort of social innovation. In many ways, you're kind of not capitalist enough for venture capital and you're too capitalist for foundations who often are set up to even though they don't legally need to be this way, they are often very, very risk averse and they will just want to fund registered charities. So you can end up falling in between these two stools, which can be really, really challenging. And you know, probably the only reason I was able to get this going in the first place was because I was fortunately in a position where I could fund it for the first probably nine months. And then I was able to get other people from my network to fund it for a period after that. But if you're not in that fortuitous position, it's really, really hard to get these types of organizations off the ground. And, you know, I'm successful. Then, you know, one of the things I'd really like to do is make sure that social entrepreneurs from disadvantaged backgrounds who are much more likely to really understand these problems, they're given, you know, funding and stipends to go and launch social enterprises. Mm, so the challenge was really about your early days, basically day one of building the company. And yeah, if you have the privilege to have the funds to fund yourself, that's great. But for anybody that doesn't have it, you would see a gap in funding and for the really early stage. Yeah, you know, I've always worked super hard and, you know, it's fortunate to be moderately successful at the previous company. But you know, why I was able to get there in the first place because I had many advantages in my life. And actually, one of the things we're doing at Beam is we're sort of replicating these advantages for people that, that weren't born with as many of them. So, you know, the way I think about Beam is, what we're doing is kind of building scaffolding for people that makes them resilient to shocks and make them kind of much easier for them to integrate and reintegrate into society. And that scaffolding is made up of two things. First, it's training and education that creates economic opportunity. And secondly, it's support networks. And 
the obviously we crowdfund the training, but the support networks they come from the people who fund the training. And these two things together, the training and the support networks, are kind of like a one plus one equals three. Hmm. Let's talk a little bit about the future towards the end now. And quite a large share of our listeners are actually based in the U.S. And awesome. if you think about the U.S. and the tech sector, you think about Silicon Valley and you, there's a lot of debate actually around so homelessness and, you know, we can fix all these problems and have all these tech giants, but still we can't really fix homelessness in San Francisco and surroundings. Or you look at different big cities all over the U.S. actually with massive homelessness problems that really don't seem to be solved Do you have any plans to expand to the U.S.? Do you see like there's a, it's a good opportunity for you to solve that problem over there as well? Or are you focused on the U.K. for now? I mean, we want to be everywhere at the right time. So I've been to San Francisco. I've seen the extent of the problem there. And it's appalling. And it's got even worse since the last time I was there. So you know, definitely there's a lot for us to be doing. And that's why we're hiring people um, on a pretty regular basis. Four people actually joined in one day a couple of weeks ago. So you know, if you're interested in what we're doing, you want to be part of some pretty significant social impact, then you know, get in touch and all the jobs are on the, the website. Amazing. And then let's think about the next 10 years. How does the world look like if Beam succeeds in 10 years? So we have way smaller of a gap between people today who don't have that kind of scaffolding and people who do. The lottery of birth has been diminished in the geographies where we're operating. And if people want to access training opportunities, if people want to build their support networks, then they can connect with people online via their smartphone and they can access that training and they can grow their support networks. So the number of people that we're working with will be in the hundreds of thousands. We'll be working closely with government who will be realizing significant savings as a result of the work we're doing. We'll be filling roles constantly at companies, ensuring that their skill shortages are less severe than they would otherwise be, and also that they're hiring from an entirely new talent pool, that their workforce is more varied, more diverse, and that, that is benefiting them as well. And I think finally, we would have really changed perceptions around social issues because, you know, one of the powerful things about Beam is that you can go to beam.org and you can see here are some people who have some real challenges in their life and they're not freaks, they're not dangerous, they're just normal people who've had a bit of bad luck and maybe haven't had as much good fortune as you have had. And I think our entire understanding of issues like homelessness, issues like mental health, substance misuse, alcohol, all of these things will become kind of sharpened and better and healthier than they would otherwise have been. I remember the first time someone with mental health challenges came on the platform and it was a really courageous thing for this person to do. Now people, the taboo has kind of been broken and people can come onto the platform much more easily and do talking about these kinds of issues. So I think, you know, that's what this transparency, this kind of social network has the power to do. Amazing. Thanks very much for joining me today. And I wish you all the best on this journey. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you like this episode, make sure to subscribe, leave a review and share the episode with a friend. To keep updated on new episodes, visit impacthustlers.com and sign up for our email alerts. And also follow us on Twitter at impacthustlers. Thanks very much for tuning in and see you next week. 
This was Impact Hustlers, the podcast on entrepreneurs and change makers that are creating solutions to the world's biggest problems. Impact Hustlers is brought to you by Fast Forward 2030 and Real Changers. Visit fastforward2030.com to learn how to include the global goals into your business model and realchangers.com to find talent and careers with impact.